So I'm doing a, doing a few weeks on what I've called sabbatical sermons. So those of you who don't know, I um, had the absolute privilege of being able to take three months out to rest, which is an amazing thing. I've been working for um, this church for, I guess, 11 years. And for the church that I was part of before that, I was, um, I was on staff there for six years, so 17 years. So it, it just, in God's providence, was a chance for me to take a rest, and it was great. And I really, really enjoyed it. And God spoke to me quite a lot in, into my heart over that time. And I wanted to just spend a few weeks just sharing from God's word some things that had, that had helped, um, just to sort of draw you in so that you benefit from that time. Does that make sense? Um, Last week we looked at the whole one thing, you know, one thing have I desired to dwell in your house. And this whole, this whole thing of Jesus is that one thing, man, what a model of someone devoted to the Father's will. And through his devotion, through his one thing life, he's brought us into the kingdom through his act for us. And then meditating, what does that mean for us in a city where you're torn this way and that? And a heart that very often wants to do this, that and the other. What does it mean to be one thing people? And the amazing blessing and peace that that brings. Um, this week is, is, a, is a different sort of um, deal really. It's a, it's a different thing I want to share with you. And um, here's the story, just to give you a bit of a backdrop so you understand the context. What was going on in my mind and heart going into the sabbatical, I was a bit scared of taking a break for a number of reasons. I'm not the best at stopping and slowing down, but um, there was more to it than that. Uh, I kind of, I kind of recognised that. Um, what, what numbers of things that had happened to me or that I'd been around other people, the pain that I'd experienced had when you pastor people, sometimes you touch very painful situations and you think, oh, and it, it knocks you sideways because you care. And, and certain things in, in my own life, I would say certain unanswered questions and, and disappointments. What, it, what, what had happened was, I would say, is that I'd got into a situation where I believed with my whole heart that God is sovereign, which means he's over all things and that he knows all things and that he's before all things. And that he works all things together into his purpose. And that one way or the other, he's the source of all things. All things are from him, through him and to him. I believe in that. And I believe that he was good. And, I, but, and yet I did not know what to do with all this stuff. I was struggling. I was just like, Lord. And what, what I'd found was, not, not that I was on, on the precipice of some kind of major thing. But just this, I'd found that inside, I was not as... It's a hard thing to describe. I was not quite as on the stretch before him as I had been in years gone by. Because I was sort of living with this sense of quite deep confusion and pain. And I said at the start of the sabbatical, Lord, you're going to have to help me here. Because <laughs> I really believe you're sovereign. Not just that you clear up after all the mess we make. But actually in some way that actually all that you are before all things, that in some senses you are weaving everything together in a, in, a, in, a, in a way much more impressive than just tidying up after us. And yet I believe you're good. But I can't reconcile some of these deep pains I'm carrying around. And so that's where I was at. I'll share at the end of the sermon where I got to. Leave you hanging. But um, I also, uh, Sujith, who came and spoke at our um, Cities and Rivers conference in July, he said to me before this article, he said, I don't think this is primarily about 
physical tiredness. I think it's, it's and he, he's quoted a scripture from Proverbs 13, verse 12, which says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it's when you've longed for certain things to happen for a long time, and they haven't, and your heart can get sick. We're, we're quite fragile, aren't we? The Bible says we're just jars of clay. There's this amazing treasure that we carry in Christ, but we're jars of clay. Whether you're a pastor or not, you're human. And uh, I thought, oh, I, need to, I need to take that on board. He's right there. And so I said, Lord, I was really honest with God. And so I want to say to you, God can handle your honesty. And uh, you've got to be true to yourself. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to just help me here. I'm not going to dictate what you're going to do, how you're going to solve it. But I, I, don't think, I think you want me in a place where internally I'm, I'm, fully, I'm fully rolling again. Does that make sense? So God, I, I, I can't get myself through this. And so... Uh, one, of my, one of my most favourite uh, psalms has really helped me here. So I want to read this psalm to you and then talk about Jesus for a little bit after that and then, and then finish off where I got to. So Psalm 73, if you've got a Bible with you, please turn to Psalm 73. And I want to just show you a journey that um, Asaph goes on. A guy called Asaph, he's one of, the, one of the guys who wrote some of the psalms and he goes on this incredible journey in Psalm 73. And um, I'll, re- I'll, I'll read it to you and I'll just show you these stages where, where he goes and, it, and, and what God does. Um, so Psalm 73 verse 1 says this, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Everyone goes, Amen! Right? So surely good is, God is good to Israel. He's good to those who are pure in heart. He's, he's, he's a man... Asaph is a man, he, 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 he knows the right doctrine. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he understands, he's orthodox in his confession. God is a good God. God loves it when we walk in a pure in heart. God is good. God is good to his chosen people. Right, so we're all going amen after verse 1. And then verse 2 comes along. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My feet nearly slipped. My steps had almost slipped. You think, oh gosh. So he's got, Asaph is in a place where he's going, God is good. But actually he's also saying that my heart is sick. <laughs> and he's, he, Asaph tells us the story of how God brought him through this horrible place to be where you believe things about God, but actually you, you look at the condition of your own heart and you say, I'm not doing too well. I'm not, there's some things here that they're, they're sitting there inside of me and I can't just get over them. In fact, I feel like maybe I'm falling flat on my face in front of them. Now for Asaph, what was it? Well, he goes on, he says, I was envious of the arrogant. I saw how prosperous the wicked people are. They're not, there's no pains in their death. Their body's fat. They're not in trouble as, older, as other men. They're not plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. And he, what he, for Asaph, here's what it was. He'd seen bad people having a good life. And it got to him. He said, it's really got under my skin. It's, I've not just been able to go, praise the Lord. I've not been able to do it. And he's watched and he's looked and he's observed how this whole idea of good things happen to good people and it doesn't seem to work. And it's bothered him. And he's in a bit of trouble. So what is it for you? What is it for you? Like I said, for me, I'll share a few things. I won't share all of them because some of them are, would be too, too it wouldn't be appropriate in this setting as public as this. But I can tell you some of them. Some of them it's when you're around people, you're pastoring people, good people. Good people. 
And something happens in life. And you just suddenly realise this is going to change your whole life. You know? It's going to change your whole life. And the pain and the confusion. And it wasn't even as if they were, they were, they were on a bad trajectory. They were on a trajectory, I want to glorify God. But this is really going to affect how I do what I thought God had asked me to do. And just carrying the pain of that. Carrying the pain of it. There's that. Other, thing, another, other things would be, I'd say, people who really, really love the Lord and really, really want to be married. Not all people who love, who love the Lord want to be married. Um, and some of them are married, and that's a problem. But anyway... <laughs> Unmarried people, <laughs> unmarried people who, um, who really, really want to be married and, you know, and are clear they don't want to run with someone that ain't running with Jesus. They, they, they get it, they see it's never going to work, we're going in two different directions. And so in their heart they're saying, no, I want to wait for someone that I can really run with. And you know what? Year on year, no one comes along. That really weighs on my heart as a pastor. That will... You know, that will sit really heavy. I think, God, now not everyone wants to be married, so I'm really not in that camp of everyone should be married. I'm not overexhausted, but some people really want to be. And they wait and they wait for years, and it's just, God, this is hurting me. I'm sure it's not hurting me as much as it's hurting them, but I'm feeling this. And then, I guess personally, I would also feel that I live for the name of Jesus being glorified in this city and this nation. I live for it. I long for it. I've heard prophecy after prophecy that's going to happen. And I see a nation going apart. I'm like, Lord, can I go again? Can I go again? Can I, can I pray again? You know, I'm just human. I'm just human. And so, for Asaph, it's this, it was that. For me, it's these things. For what is it for you, potentially? It's good to know what could catch you out. He goes on this journey, and then in verses 15 and 16, oh no, verses verse 13 and 14, he says, Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence. I've been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. <laughs> so you evil people are doing what they like. I just feel like, you know, I'm getting told off every day, I'm doing it wrong. You know, it's, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. And then he hears, hits this dilemma. In verse 15, he said, if I had said I will speak in this way, so if I would actually go public with this, if I would start saying, it's all been in vain, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. He's he's in a dilemma. He's like, if I say what I really think right now, I'm going to betray, betray those who, 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 who... who, have, who are looking to God. I'm going to betray those who have seen God move in power. I'm going to be a traitor. And he's in this awful, awful dilemma. He says, verse 16, when I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. So Asaph's like, and you, the Bible is brutally honest. Way more honest than us. <laughs> Sometimes I think God holds his head in his hand and he comes to Christians and says, oh, for goodness sake. Just give me a bit of reality and we can get somewhere. Yeah? So Asaph's like, this is where I'm at. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. It's in a dilemma. Verse 17 is the hinge point. Until I came into the sanctuary of God. So he's in this right old state and he says, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to draw near to God again. 
How many of you draw near to God when you're feeling like that? Or do you go into yourself or some kind of escapism or just some, I don't know, just watch like, I don't know, a, a box set for 10 hours or you just, ah. Asa says, do you know what? In all of this terrible, awful dilemma and pain, I'm going to come into the sanctuary of God again. And I was going to, into the sabbatical thinking, this is going to involve lots of time in the presence of God. <laughs> okay, what am I going to find inside my heart? And Asaph says, I was in a real bad way until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Then God starts giving them revelation about what's really going to happen to wicked people. He begins to see and he sees, oh my goodness, these, these guys, they may have, they may have the, 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 their fill of all kinds of pleasures for a year or a decade or two. But he says, actually I can see where it's going. They're going to perish like a dream. He gets it. It's not just like he's telling himself the truth. Say the right thing. He comes into the presence of God and something happens where he goes, I get it. My goodness. And he realises that this thing that's been creating envy in his heart, it's like it's a nonsense. Something moves inside of him deeply, deeply, deeply. And then he starts to reflect on it. He says in verse 21, when my heart was embittered, when I was like that, I was pierced within, right? I was pierced. It got to me. It got under my armour. It got right into my heart. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was filling my horizon. I was pierced. When this happened, then I, was, I became senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. It's fascinating. He reflects on his condition. When, when that thing got into my spirit, I just became, I became so short-sighted. I became someone who kind of lost all my sort of spiritual intuition. I just became, I became like a beast before you. But his second reflection is this. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. Even in that state, you've taken my right hand. With your counsel, you'll guide me and afterwards receive me to glory. So his reflection is, look at the state of what I became when that happened, but look at your faithfulness. Even in the midst of that journey, you were there. You didn't let me go. You, in fact, you let me walk through that and you oversaw the process. Wow. Extraordinary. And then from that place on, suddenly you find there's this devotion and this confidence is restored. He says, whom have, verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. His, his desires and longings that have been, got envy had gotten into him. And he was like, I want this, I want that, I want to be like them. Suddenly he's like, I don't desire anything on earth besides you. I just want you. You think, what's happened is in this incredible, amazing journey he's been on, God's won his heart again. God's actually won his heart. But he had to walk through it with God. God got him back in terms of his, 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 his devotion and his passions. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You've destroyed all those who are unfaithful. But as for me, I love this, the nearness of God is my good. Wow. I've made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your works. And what's happened is at the start, he's got the right confession, but his heart is sick. Now, his heart and his confession have been brought together. And he says, all I want is to be close to you so I can talk about you. Wow, what a journey. What a journey. And you know what God did with me? And then I'm going to tell you about Jesus for a minute. 
What God did with me was this. He didn't give me any answers. Not one. (laughs) Not one. But he healed me. He healed me. He healed my heart. Don't even ask me to point to when or how. It's, it's, it's just lifted. And that was just me saying, Lord, I'm going to walk this through with you. I'm going to be in your presence. I'm not going to run off. I'm before you. And be real honest. Write it all out. Journal it all out. There it is. Get it there. And you know what? He's just healed me. <laughs> and interestingly, from that place after that, I started bringing some extraordinary breakthrough. Extraordinary breakthrough. But interestingly, before any of that, he did something inside of me first. Now, I wasn't quite in, I don't think I was quite in the state that Asaph was in, only God knows, but I wouldn't, I don't want to dramatise it, but what I would say is something inside of me had started to retreat a bit. Does that make sense? Just a bit. And, 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 and I ju- there's just apps, I'm, it's all, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Presence of God. But here's the thing, and here's the thing that really is profound. Listen up, if you've, not, if you've been spending the whole time thinking, what's he talking about? Listen to this. thing is this. I'm a fraud. Asaph's a fraud. I've caused as much pain as I've received. So I can go into one about how, why isn't, why isn't, if God is sovereign and good, why isn't he doing this? And, you know, God could have every right to have a few words with me. <laughs> so should we talk about you? Say, no, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> ah, okay. Let's not do that. Because God might want to talk about my selfishness. He might want to talk about my small-heartedness. He might want to talk about my lack of compassion. I'm a fraud. Now, I'll try and be real before God. I don't think I'm a total fraud. It's not, I'm not faking it, do you know what I mean? But when I'm before, you think, actually, who am I to... Have an issue with the sovereignty and goodness. What do I know? Do you know what I mean? What do I know? But there is someone who actually chose to embrace the kind of confusion and disappointment that ruins a lot of people. There's someone who actually chose that. This is the extraordinary thing. Asaph's no big deal. I'm no big deal. But Jesus, it's totally different. He actually volunteered I mean, I look at myself, I think, you're, you're just, just such a walking contradiction of things. There's a few little examples. They're silly, but maybe you can relate to them. I get wound up by cyclists on the pavement. <laughs> Until I'm cycling and running late and the lights turn red. Then it's okay. So I've really got to get there. Or I get wound up by drivers not looking out for me as a cyclist. But when I'm driving... How many times have cyclists pedaled past me and left me thinking, I had no idea they were there. Glad I didn't just open my door. Or I get wound up by pedestrians walking in cycle lanes, but it's okay when I'm a pedestrian to have a quick wander in the cycle lane. And what I've realised is this, I don't really give a hoot about red lights, cycle lanes, or what I give a hoot about is, guess what? Me. Flipping me. That's what I care about. It's embarrassing, isn't it? It's embarrassing. I think, oh Lord, have mercy. You see yourself and you think, I need the grace of God. And God says, well, okay, good. Step one. Step one. 
And now I have provided you with someone extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Whatever your thing is, whatever is really potentially getting at your heart. Just as a few examples. Maybe you're thinking, betrayal. I've been betrayed. I've been stitched up. I've been stabbed in the back. How could they do that? God. Jesus knows what it's like. Betrayed by one of his inner circle. Betrayed. With a kiss of all the ironies. Or maybe you're... Maybe it's lost loved ones. My loved ones don't know Jesus. How God, I've been praying for years. Lord, why haven't you saved them yet? You know, Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he weeps over it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I love to gather you under my wings. But you wouldn't have it. Lost loved ones. He understands. He knows the pain of that. Maybe you're disorientated by the, the spiritual climate in our nation. You think, no one wants to know about Jesus. It's just new atheism's running wild. What is going on? We are told there was a time where Jesus went to Nazareth. And even Jesus could only do a few miracles. Why? Because of their unbelief. And he marveled at it. Jesus said, what is this place like? He understands what it is to be disorientated by a poor spiritual climate. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe you think, you don't, look, the rejection I've faced in my life. How do you think Jesus felt when they're all shouting out, we have no king but Caesar. Crucify him, our king is Caesar. Jesus is thinking, I'm your king. I created you. He knows what it's like. Or maybe it's injustice. You think, who's going to do something? God, why are you so silent? And Jesus looks on at the Pharisees, the so-called supposed spiritual leaders, oppressing, hypocrisizing, acting up. And this is unjust and he burns with anger. He gets it. He understands it. Or maybe it's distress. Just this deep distress. You struggle to leave the flat. Maybe it's anxiety. You don't know what to do. We're told he sweated blood before the cross. He was so distressed. Maybe it's that you think your friends are just lame. They don't stand by you. Where are they when I need them? Jesus says to his disciples, couldn't you pray with me for one hour? My, he says to his disciples, my soul is grieved to the point of death. Pray with me. They fall asleep. He knows. He gets it. And he volunteered for all of it. And then he goes to the cross. And he said to the disciples, you're going to leave me, but the father's with me. The Father's with me. And then at a certain point in the cross, the whole sky turns black. And these words cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that dreadful three hours or so where he becomes sin for us. And all the selfishness and all the pettiness and all the bitterness and all the nonsense is concentrated in the soul of this man. All the vile, dark, degraded things you've ever thought, said and done are concentrated in the soul of this man as he gasps and heaves and takes in the sin of the world. And then he says, it's finished, it's done. I've done the work. I've done it. And he gives up his spirit. And he rises from the dead. And he ascends to the Father's right hand. And he rules and reigns. And he now is exalted over all things. And he stands as the picture, the ultimate picture of where it ends when you trust God. Where does it end? Glory. 
glory, brothers and sisters, that is where it ends. And you may be saying, okay, how do I, how do I know God? Is how you know God through Jesus Christ. It's the only way you know God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do not be deceived by nonsense. Do not be deceived by fads and phases that come that are often rooted in selfishness or bitterness or disillusionment. Don't, listen, I tell you, there's one way and his name is Jesus Christ. There's no one who's done anything like it. God in the flesh, taking our pain. It's extraordinary. He's extraordinary. And I want to leave you just with this sense of the wonder of Jesus Christ, who he is and how he makes that way for us back to God. And I want to appeal to you. If you can relate in any way to Asaph, to myself, to some of the things Jesus went through, you've got a choice. Here's your choice. Here's your choice. You can honestly walk through it with God. Honestly. (laughs) Walk through it with God. Or you can try and find your own way through. But I want to assure you of his faithfulness today. I want to assure you of his faithfulness. It's so important to testify, isn't it? It's so important to say, do you know what? I was there. God brought me through that. And to be honest. And to know that you can go through struggles and still be in the church and still lead. And God says, it's cool. It's cool because I'm not, I'm not arranging for a bunch of experts to lead the church. It's disciples I want. It's people that are following. But things will happen in life. Let me assure you. Things will happen in life that have the potential to knock you off course. They will. They will disorientate you severely I want to ask you where do you go then because if your roots are in him what will happen is is your roots will just dig down deeper to find him (laughs) and then you'll find him and then you'll suddenly realise wow how did I grow like this he said well I got your roots down a little bit deeper so you're able to grow and bear more and more fruit amen now what I want to do is I'm preaching short sermons since I've been back in my sabbatical. You guys must be well chuffed. <laughs> sermons have got real short these days. I'll do two next week. That's fine. Uh, I feel like the Lord wants to just touch some hearts, help some people through some stuff. Now, I want to just speak about the offering as well. We can do the practical bits in a minute. But you think, why are we doing this offering? Here's, here's the thing. God's answer for the state of this nation and city and world is the church. Just let that sink in for a moment. You must say, I thought it's Jesus. Well, it is Jesus. It is absolutely the answer is Jesus. But where's Jesus? Jesus ascended to heaven. He's poured out his spirit on the church. And Jesus said, I want you, church, to make disciples and form communities that are filled with my spirit so that people can meet me. God's answer for the nation and the city is the church. That is why we are committed to planting church after church all around our city to the nations of the world and every other church increasingly is doing the same thing. Why? Because we recognise God's plan to fill the earth with his glory is to move communities of his people that are filled with his spirit into places and to live out that life. And so it's absolutely vital that we understand that when we invest money in church planting, what we're investing in is harvest. What we invest in is people's lives 
that need to find Jesus. Because how, when someone finds Jesus, they're not, it's not just finding Jesus. They are brought into the family of God, nurtured, helps to grow, nourished, so that they themselves become mature believers and become a source of spiritual shade and nourishment to others. That's what, that happens in the church. So I want you to understand what these offerings are about, when we, why we take these special offerings, and why we plant churches all the time, and why we're constantly looking, okay, where next? We care about the city. We've got God's heart for this place, haven't we? So we recognise the church is the answer. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So please, I want you to just understand that, so you can connect it and join the dots. So I just know what they're doing over there in Tottenham. I'll tell you what they're doing over there in Tottenham. They're doing what we're doing, together with us. And they're going to see an amazing Amazing load of fruit over there. And then when that church gets strong enough, it's going to probably plant some churches into that area more and more. That's what, that's what the plan is. Just keep giving birth, keep giving birth, keep multiplying. Got to do amazing things. Yeah? All right. I'm going to just, what I'm going to do is, I guess just, it's really, the logistics in this room are a little bit awkward at this point. Do you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's not as easy as, as it's all a bit cooped up, isn't it? But, c'est la vie. God can still move. It's just working out how, how best to organise it. Praying for people. If you just think, do you know what? I would love today, today, something of what I've heard about journeying with God through things that are either, either potentially very disappointing or confusing or painful. I, I would just love a fresh sense of God's nearness, God's touch, God's help in this. You just think, yeah, that actually right now, that would be really, that would do me the world of good, okay? I'd love, to just, I'd love to just be able to pray for you, okay? So please just stand where you are and don't worry about being self-conscious. Just pray for you, and I'm just going to pray. Now, if you're, if you're near to someone that stood up um, and you know them a bit, just rest your hand on them in an appropriate way. If you don't know them, just don't worry about it. Tina's just going to share something to help you before we pray. Just keep focused on the Lord. Yeah, but Davina just wants to help you as you respond. Yeah, I just feel... Um, as you stand here, as you're standing before the living God, before your eternal Father, before your wonderful Saviour, that you are to stand and you are to keep standing and you are to carry on standing. And if that's all you can do, you just stand and you stand your ground and you stand on the rock. You stand on the rock who is Christ and he will never fail. He will never forsake you. He will never give up. He is the one who has defeated the grave. He is the one who has defeated your enemy. 
He is the one who has defeated sin and the power of sin. So you stand on your father and you stand on the rock and you remain standing and he will deliver you. He will. He will rescue you. He will save you. And he will continue to do these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your promises. And your... But you did say this, that you would never test us beyond what we can bear. You will never test us. It's a fascinating verse. It says he'll never test you beyond what you can bear. But he will provide a way of escape. So that, but listen, so that you can endure. That's a surprise. He thought it'd say, you provide a way of escape so I can get the heck out of this situation. <laughs> he says he'll provide a way of escape so you can actually endure. Endure means bear up under it. The way of escape, I think, brothers and sisters, is his presence. Where you say, Lord, this is not easy, but I believe you're here with me in this. And that through being close to you, I will be able to stand and keep standing and win. And I just declare, Lord, your beautiful victory over these brothers and sisters right now. Your beautiful victory over these brothers and sisters. There will be, for as many people as are standing, there will be that amount of different things that that are going on. (laughs) You know the complexity of our lives. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would touch them now. Just touch now, bring encouragement. I believe the Father wants to bring encouragement. We just want to break those lies of discouragement. Discouragement is always from the enemy because the Bible calls God the God of all encouragement. All right, so it's opposite of his nature to discourage. We just break those lies right now in the name of Jesus. And we pray, O oh Lord, for highways of light to come in by the Holy Spirit into minds and souls and hearts. Highways of light. Let beams of light and truth break in by the Holy Spirit now into these situations. Let faith be given. Let faith be given, sufficient faith for the situation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Holy Spirit, be ministering now to these folks, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.